You're listening to Talk Amongst Friends with your host, Kayleen, and my co-host, Kim. We are here with Rebecca and Tamika. Tonight, we are going to be talking about settling, settling in your relationships, your friendships, or your job, or whatever else you choose to settle in in life. Because I think several of us have taken it upon ourselves to settle. Um, how is everybody doing this evening? I should we start are out with good. Good, 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 good. Good, good, good. good, good. At least for a minute. All right, that's good. As long as Rebecca's going to behave for a minute, we know she's not going to, but it's fine. Um, I anyway, I'm being quiet because you know that there is background noise here. Yes, there is. (laughs) So Rebecca is muting herself, and we love her for that. Um, Anyway, so one of the things I wanted to talk about is it was brought to my attention since I recently just switched jobs and haven't started my new job yet. I posted it up about switching jobs, and someone actually commented saying. Um, that it was cool that I was switching jobs, that I wasn't afraid to basically switch jobs at my age. They didn't really say my age, but I know what they're talking about. I knew what they were saying um, because I have no fear of, of switching jobs. Yes, I am almost 50 years old, um, but I'm still within the same company, just um, basically the same job as a dispatcher just out at an airport. So um Hell no, I'm not afraid of switching jobs. And I'm I'm not afraid because I shouldn't have to settle. And I've been settling for a long time dealing with uh, the people that I work with. They're sharks. Um, They pretend like they care, but they really don't care. I mean, one minute they're like, hey, we're cool. You're cool. You're doing a great job. Next minute they're fucking talking about you across the floor. So I'm too old to deal with that kind of shit. So that's why I'm switching jobs. And that's why I refuse to settle. I mean, I settled for a long time in several relationships in my lifetime. you know, I didn't, I had a hard time leaving relationships because I thought, oh my God, they're going to die without me. Or what are they going to do without me? Because I was in this whole, I need to take care of these people. You know, I, I dated, I, I mean, I was with a drug addict for years. Um, I was a drug addict for two of those years that I was with this person for, I think we were together for almost six years. And I was like, I wouldn't leave because, oh my God, she's going to die without me. I need to take care of her. Total fucking bullshit. It, it, it took someone else coming into my life and and shocking me with some lightning to make me go, shit, fuck that. There's something better out there, right? And um, I had, but that was my lesson to learn. My lesson to learn was that I can't take care of people. And in that, trying to take care of others instead of yourself, I was settling. I was settling for this is what it is. You know, just like when I got married. Oh, this is the only man who's ever going to love me this way. What the fuck? Fuck that. Somebody else is going to love me differently, right? Um, So... I wanted to hear like other people's uh, dealings with this kind of thing, what they've settled for, what they don't settle for, what we no longer settle for, what took you to move? What was it that made you move? You know, was it like a bad breakup and you woke up one day and said, oh, fuck this shit or, you know, the situation? I mean, for me, it was dealing with this drug addict who was never going to change. And you cannot change people. They have to want to change themselves. But that was my lesson to learn. And I realized that if I do not learn the lessons in life that I'm being thrown at, that the universe is throwing at me, if I don't learn those lessons, guess what? That shit's going to repeat. You're going to keep on repeat. You're going to keep repeating the same bullshit. You know, the same type of relationships. You're going to you're gonna bring in the same type of people all the time. And then you're sitting there wondering, well, why the fuck? Why me? Oh, what was me? Bitch, you didn't learn the lesson that you were supposed to learn. So that's exactly why. These people are here, right? That's exactly why they are. So be sure you guys are mute yourself so that you can hop in here at any point in time because I will talk the entire hour. Yes, we know that, darling. 
Well, you, you're good at that. My dog, but y'all. I'm sorry. My dog, my dog. <laughs> we love dogs. But I think that the point that you make, though, is a valid one, Kay, because when you settle, you often find, at least I found for myself, that you settle across your life. You settle in your jobs. You settle in your friendships. You settle in your personal intimate relationships. You settle in your relationship with your parents, with your extended family, Mm. with your siblings. If you have this mentality that I will resign myself to the situation as it is, you usually deal that way in all aspects of your life. And for me, what I had to learn is that I was settling for the easy way out of my own personal growth and development. It was easier for me not to challenge. Well, Kim, why do you think that's okay? Well, Kim, why do you accept that? Well, Kim, why do you deal with that? Why do you find yourself in a position where you settle for the person that you're in this relationship with? Why do you feel the need to take care of people? Why do you feel the need to worry about other folks? Why do you feel too selfish when you think about you first? I think a lot of settling for me anyway came from the fact that I had to be honest about who I was and why I was the way that I was. And that was the scary thing. Because if I have to deal with it, if I had the power over it, then I had the responsibility for it. And that's what's tough for me. Mm. I mean, I think kind of, you know, some of this stuff, this self-care that we've also talked about in the past has to do with age too, I think. Um, you know, the experiences that you culminate and learn from or don't learn from, um, especially when it comes to self, we're taught that we have to be caretakers, right? I mean, think about that when you're a kid, when you were a kid, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to have kids, right? You're supposed to follow this, this narrative that was created by society. And then when you finally are able to break those narratives, I think that's when you can come into your own power. At least that's how it happened for me, most definitely. And I know, Tamika, you particularly can relate to me during one of the, we have worked together before, so you know me very, very well. Mm-hmm. And watch that transformation a lot and watch that transition a lot. And I know we have talked even about some of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're still, there's, they still exist. They still exist. I, um, I settle staying where I'm at because the money is good. Um, I went out last year on FMLA, came back unbeknownst to me to be, um, fired. And so it was said that in text messages, I'm hostile and I'm condescending and we need to have a meeting about my language. And I said, text messages don't have tone. So, okay. Explain yourself. Have I ever threatened you? Let's, let's break out the dictionary. Let's be real political about this. Have I ever threatened you? No. Have I ever said anything derogatory uh, to you? Have I ever spoke down to you? No. Well, then explain how I'm hostile. Is it because I'm black and I'm, I'm direct and you don't know how to take me? So I stayed. And now from 
experience, there's a few lawsuits out. They lost one a couple years ago, and now it's the same situation. Different players. So I settle and say, however, I have my own business. I help people with credit and finances. So I'm working to build that up. But in the meantime, I have a second job. I got bad credit. I got bad credit. (laughs) (laughs) I got you, girl. I got you. I got I, I, I'm not even on the, I'm not even on the mortgage. I'm not on the mortgage. I'm just on the deed because my shit was so messed up. Okay, anyway, sorry, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> That's okay. Different so show. We'll get into that another job that I go to, and it's Tamika. You're doing a wonderful job, and we want to put you in management positions. And I'll I'll never forget the first time I got a compliment. It threw me so far off. I said, "What do you mean? I did a good job." This particular job has conditioned me to always be on the defense, to always have my guard up. So then a few weeks ago, it was, well, last year it was, I'm hostile, I'm condescending, I'm the angry black one. And a couple of weeks ago, it was, well, you're so quiet and it can be perceived as you're unfriendly. Do you want to share with us anything? No, you got to pick your battles. I'm quiet so I can maintain my job. I'm quiet so I don't get fired because you guys can't handle my directness, my being blunt. Oh, Sally, no, Mm -hmm. it's going to be just fine. I'm having a wonderful day. That's that's not Uh who I am. That's not who I am. No, because what happens, exactly. Listen, listen, but you know what I I say? You you think you're quiet. You ain't quiet because your face is loud. It's loud and it's proud and people don't like a loud face. And that's what's happening. That's the truth. People don't like a loud persona. I mean, let's be honest. When you are knowledgeable, when you're skilled, when you're capable, you bring that to the table. And it is hard, even in personal relationships, when you are the primary breadwinner, for example. And you are in a relationship with someone who is easily intimidated by that. Mm. You bring that into the situation with my children. My children are not my biological children. My stature, my frame, my physical presence. I bring that into interaction with them. And a lot of times that is perceived some kind of way. People feel a way about that. You know, they feel a way about, well, you're always talking smack to me because you make more money than I am. You're always talking smack to me because you're bigger than I am. You're always talking smack to me because, you know, whatever. No, I'm talking smack to you because I know what the hell I'm talking about. And I'm talking smack to you because what I'm saying makes sense. And I'm talking smack to you because I'm your parent and I'm legally responsible for you. So, you know, I think that part of the settling is trying to shrink that persona or ty- mm. trying to accept responsibility for what so are you saying that feel. other people other people can push others into settling oh yeah right I, like I, yeah so so yeah i didn't think of it from from those terms or that side of the coin but yeah i guess i see that because you know like tamika said i'm in this job because i get paid right i mean straight up i promise you that is why i'm probably doing what i'm doing because 
Um, number one, I don't want to go back to school and ever write a fucking another paper in my life. So <laughs> that is why Kayleen's not going to get her master's. So I'm settling. Literally, I am settling because honestly, I'd rather be counseling. I swear to God that I always thought my entire life that that's what I would be doing that. But man, I cannot drag my ass back to school to write another fucking 60 page paper. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I looked for schools. I searched high and large because I was like, I'm not going to do a fucking thesis. And I found them. They're there. But you know what? I don't want to write a fucking paper. And I'm certainly not going to pay somebody else to write my paper because they suck. I'd rather write my own damn paper. So (laughs) it's just not going to happen. So guess what? I'm going to remain without a master's because I am settling. I am settling. Well, and I think part of what you're saying too, Tamika, is influenced by being a parent. A lot of times when you are in a financial situation where you're not just responsible just for you, you think twice before you make moves. Or like in your case, Kate, if you have another person involved in your household, you think twice before you say, you know what, skip that. I'm not doing that today. I'm just not. I'm not dealing with you people. I'm done. I can do better than this. those things all play into your decision-making and your comfort level with either making a move or not making a move. Well, the weird thing is, Kim, is for for me, and um, this is why I'm damn lucky to have the partner that I have. um, I honestly don't, don't, how do I say this without sounding like a fucking total asshole? Um, Sound like who you are. It's like, right? No, it's like, it's like I am who I am and I do what I want when I want. So, you know, like this whole job change has been coming on for a long time because I've been extremely, excruciatingly unhappy. And I was, if I was to the point to where it was starting to seep out of me, like I was about ready to snap the fuck off and just cuss somebody out. So I I literally had to make a change because. You're right. I mean, you know, when you're when you're right there at that point, that means your ass has been settling, okay? The position I have is amazing. I love the position, but I hate the fucking people. I cannot stand these people. They're fucking sharks. They disgust me. And I don't give a shit if any of them hear this. I don't care. But they are evil, man. It's like it's like one minute They'll be nice to your face. And then five minutes later, they're across the room, literally the cubicle next to you talking shit about you. And I cannot deal with it. I will not settle for that shit anymore. I don't care if I have to go anywhere else. And I had people literally tell me, well, you know, it's the mentality of dispatching and uh, wherever you go, it's always going to be that way. Dude, I have been in the workforce since I was 14 years old. I am now 49. Trust me, this is the worst place I have ever worked in my life and the worst human beings I've ever worked with. And you think that we would be better and that we'd be better supportive of each other, but we're not. I mean, you know, there's somebody who's ill right now. And these people are like, oh, we need to support blah, blah, blah. Then you hear somebody across the room being like, oh, well, they should just fire him. But are you serious right now? Like what is happening? Like, I, I, I can't work with people like that. I refuse to work with people like that. So I'm actually happy to be able to start over and actually just go in there and it's going to be all about business. I don't want anybody knowing about my personal life. I don't want anybody knowing about my son. I don't want anybody knowing about my wife. I, we ain't talking about that. If it ain't about a business, we ain't talking. We ain't going a happy hour. But see, that's part of how we settle too. And let's be honest, because when you come into a work environment, particularly that is dominated by majority folk, I'm just going to put it on out there. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'll use myself. I'm a black, gay woman, single parent. Anytime you have a conversation about anything from your birthday to what you're doing for the holidays, you expose yourself. And then you're always in the back of your mind wondering how that's going to be used against you. Mm -hmm. There's a constant calculation. So you go to work every day, for example, not just to do your job, not just to deal with that on your brain, to deal with how you present yourself and calculating how that's going to be perceived to present yourself and how you are going to show that you are more capable than you really should have to in order to advance. So you're constantly doing these mental calculations. And yet then when you get home in the evening, it's like you wonder why you're psychologically exhausted. It's because you've been running circles around yourself every day. Whereas what the other day, I've got PTSD. From going to work. Yes. Mm. Are you yes, one of those people that wake up and you're thinking about how the hell am I going to not go? What excuse can I use today to not go to work? Like, I am not lying. When, uh, seriously, when I, when I, when I was like, oh, knee surgery? Hell yeah. The first thing I thought about wasn't even the knee surgery. Wasn't even going under the knife. It was, dude, I'm going to get a week off get work. Break. Hell Bam. yeah. I get a break. Yep. I get a break. When you're thinking like that, it's time to change something like literally, because you're right. Like settling for something just smacked the shit out of me, but you're right though. Tamika hit, she hit the nail on the head when she said, I stay because of the money. Seriously. Think about that. One thing I learned is don't ever let somebody mess with your money. However, ah, but see, it, then it, it, in it, personal it, relationships, how does that play out? Because let's think about that. Hi, my I name is Rebecca, and I'm married, and I can't leave. I can't go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that girl is off the chain. But what you think about? That's why I need to borrow twenty four dollars from two hundred thousand people. <laughs> and I cannot make decisions around here. In most oh, relationships, domestic relationships, where you see people victimized, what is the one of the first things that they say? I don't, I, but I don't make enough and I can't, and I, I, I wouldn't survive. And I would, so it's that same mentality. You stay in the career that you're in at the job that you're at because you can't afford to leave. You stay with someone mm. who's not feeding your soul, who's actually depleting your humanity because you can't afford to leave. You know, I, I, I never will forget when I was younger, I had my Uncle Jackie actually one time say to me, Kim, don't ever be in a situation that you cannot afford to leave. You mm. may choose not to leave. You may not want to leave. But don't ever be in a situation where you cannot afford to leave. But on the flip side, what that did was that made me extremely controlling. Mm. And it made it difficult to have a relationship with me. Because then I'm about, okay, look, I'm going into every relationship with an exit plan. Mm. Because if this shit don't work out. I got me. Yeah. 
Yeah, but when you stop that, though, Kim, that's when that relationship's going to pop you so hard, and you're going to be like, oh, I'm good. I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know, in all fairness, because we were talking before about how we enable our own settling, Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is I choose people with whom I did not have to be real and open and vulnerable. Mm. Because... So I ended up settling for a relationship that was less than what I wanted, less than what I needed, less than what I asked for, because I wasn't willing to do the work to be open and vulnerable and honest. Girl, because I didn't want to be vulnerable until this last year. COVID, the year of COVID, all of a sudden I'm like vulnerable. I'm like, what? I don't like it, but you know what? I'm probably happier than I've ever been in my entire fucking life today. And now all of a sudden you so make a career it's move. It's been a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. 2021 is my year. But I, Rebecca, I want to hear what the hell you've settled for in your life. I don't settle for <laughs> shit. Here we go. Uh, Here we go. I don't know. And you know what? I think that that's interesting though that you asked that because I do think I'm about to be like, I'm about to say something that I think might sound crazy. So you don't have to edit it. But I think it may be because I'm half, I think it's because I'm half white because I, I'm serious because I feel like I have some kind of innate like entitledness inside me where I'm like, Hmm. "Mm -hmm." so, but I think, but Kim made me think of something when you mentioned your uncle, because my dad was always very firm about us getting our educations. You know, my, my father's my black parent. And so I hear too much noise. Anyway. You're good. You can hear it. I have a family, y'all. I'm married. You should buy my book. It's called How to Catch and Raise a Husband. Um, <laughs> you are so stupid. Oh, God. This girl's a mess. Because you need them to, to behave in the correct manner. Anyway. Oh, you can't even get a moment alone. Okay, so maybe I'm settling. Maybe I'm settling for this horrific pandemic life that I hate. Okay, so that that may be the case. However, I think that I don't settle. I'm really thinking about it because I feel like to some people, maybe they would per- perceive it that way. Um, and my father, this as far as this is, I'm talking about a romantic cisgendered like hetero relationship right now and I think that there is that that's for context even as you can hear my husband yelling at our son in the background um because he's supposed to be doing the work right now and I'm supposed to be on this podcast and I can hear it so one moment please Yes, that is the true maternal spirit, y'all. How many times do we have to do five things at once? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I always say I have too many computer tabs open in my brain because I'm always thinking about something. What's next? What's next? Okay. Mm. I got too many kids. I have one. I got too many. (laughs) Well, I have one, but he's he's a big boy, so I don't really have to worry about that. Thank God. How old is your son? 19. He'll be 20 in May. Does he still live with you? I told him he's does not. He wipe, does he wipe his own butt? Yeah, that that he does. Oh, he does oh, oh! <laughs> if everybody could see this animation, it would be so much more hilarious. Fucking <laughs> 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 <Not getting> ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, but one, what I did. Mm-hmm. No, but seriously, that that piece though. But my mom, R.I.P. Um, but she she. 
And I've said this like publicly because I feel like it's kind of scandalous. But she always was like, you better make sure when you have your man, like what's what's his is yours and what's yours is yours. And that is what I learned from my white mom. So I feel like she always had a separate bank account. She always had, you know what I mean? And like, and so like, even though it has caused like some stress in our marriage, like I have my own bank accounts. Like he considers it like our money. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm." I'm like, but this is my money. So, but also, but I, but I think like, but being prepared for that, no, we have our own bank accounts too and a joint bank account. So I yeah, understand no, that. Fine. I understand no, that mentality though. I understand that mentality. You have to know that. And I feel like be, what happens for women, and then it's like, and I think like the pandemic really exacerbated this or highlighted it, you know, is like, I am more educated than my husband. I have always, I make way less money. I know it depends on the field, yada, 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 all that. But I'm just saying, like, he holds all the power because he is the breadwinner. So even right now, when I'm supposed to be like 20, you said 2021, your year, I'm like, uh, 2020 was supposed to be my year. Start off pretty good, but it took a quick nosedive <laughs> very, very quickly. Um, and so we couldn't, you know, but like what happened is then it's like, so now his job, obviously, because he pays for everything in our home and we have our health insurance with all of that is like through him. So even though I wouldn't classify myself as someone who is settling, what would it look like if I were financially independent and didn't feel like I had to stay with my husband no matter what, because I will be out in these streets. Right. And my husband is in is not abusive. My husband is a love. OK, I'm not going to lie. My mom used to be like, you know, I like him. Oh, that's my husband. But you know, I like him. He reminds me of a woman. That's what she would say, because he's so <laughs> because he's so kind and he's so like sensitive and like he, you know, so I, I, like just gender characteristics that we associate with with the biological female or whatever, like my husband has that, but it's because he was, a, I'm going to say, he was like a mama's boy, right? So he loves women. He respects women. He don't think men should even have jobs of power. Like he's boo. He thinks women should run everything. Like that's the man that I married, right? And so I think that when people, so, so I feel like that, but I also feel like if it was like really bad and I wanted to like run away for real, which like <laughs> I do, um, but if it were, I feel like, I mean, he would never be like you know i'm just saying that people sometimes people are perceiving you as settling when you have your reasons for the things that you're doing and they don't feel like settling to you right so i knew when i decided after i my last boyfriend like a million years ago i was like okay my next boyfriend i'm like the next dude that i meet that's okay i'm gonna marry him and but that one more thing sorry because yeah i told you this is why i mute myself because i'll just go on 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 um but my dad my dad always said my dad always said come on man i'm recording you have to give her the loudest bag to chew on oh my god mute (laughs) (laughs) oh lordy but hey, the one point you did funny. make, 
before you self-selected to be silent <laughs> is worth mentioning too, because you mentioned you have a sense of privilege from the fact that you are biracial. And so many times you say, mm, but I'm really not settling. Well, but now let's unpack that just a little bit. Because the truth of the matter is, I think I I had these friends who were both black. They were in a same-sex relationship. They went out of the country traveling on vacation and had to admit how much privilege they had grown up with being in the United States, being a same-sex couple, being from a fairly middle-class lifestyle, because when they went abroad, they saw just how incapable of living their authentic lives people like us are. Mm. And I think sometimes that's really hard for, I'll use Black people as an example. That's really hard, I think, sometimes for Black people to recognize is that if you've grown up in a society where you can even to some degree be who you are on a daily basis, authentically, when you go to other cultures, when you go to other countries, when you go to other communities and you see that not as something that's easy to do, all of a sudden it's like a smack in the face. I mean, I would be very, very put out if I could not go anywhere and walk down the street holding my partner's hand. That would be a problem for me. But literally, there are people in the world. Did they go to Jamaica? They went to Jamaica. They went to St. Croix. I was mm-hmm. close, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, one of the partners almost didn't make it back because she identifies as she, but has very, what are called male characteristics, haircut, clothing, attire, appearance. And because it did not match her passport, they tried to say it wasn't her. Oh. So literally, one of the partners had to come back without the other partner oh. and work through the U.S. Yikes. embassy wow. to get Yikes. her partner back to New York. Oof. I'm like, are you playing with me right now? In It was a couple years ago, so 2018. Are you really playing with me right now? And that was a huge eye opener for me because you don't realize just how much privilege you have until you are in a situation where you encounter likeness, whatever that is, if it's race, if it's gender, if it's gender expression, if it's relationship. And yet you see people treated so very differently or less than you are. And then you start to go, oh, well, damn, I guess I do have some degree of privilege. So when you were talking, Rebecca, about how you feel like you don't really ever settle because of this sense of innate entitlement because you are biracial, I think we put constraints on ourselves. And we say we don't have the right to feel this or we don't have the right to feel that. 
And maybe sometimes that's true, but maybe sometimes it's not. Maybe sometimes we acknowledge our privilege, but we still recognize that we are not as privileged as others. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, I mean, at least for me, like I recognize. Trademark. <laughs> um, that was subtle. That was as a sledgehammer. No, no, no. I recognize <laughs> my my proximity to whiteness and what it gives me. But at the end of the day, it's still not white and it's still just proximity and it still is you know, a problem. And it had never occurred to me though, because the whole time that you were talking about things that you settle, I was like literally being like the only thing I could think. And then I'm like, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but I'm like the only thing I feel like people would be like, Oh, Rebecca, because I think people did think it was weird. Like when I got married, that was like a weird for everyone. Um, (laughs) But like, so I tried to think about that. It's like, I, but I also feel like I've had, all of these jobs and I've done all these things and like, I'm not, um, yeah, like I won't, like I won't put up with any shit. I feel like, is I guess what, what I'm saying maybe is what I'm trying to say. And then I also feel like for personal relationships, even if it's off the subject a little bit, my father used to always say, you know why people get married? Because they feel like they can't do any better. Mm. And I've heard that is so negative Mm. my whole life. Like, that is so negative. Like, people feel like they can't do any better. And I'm like, ugh. And then when I met my husband and I decided I wanted to marry him, I did think that. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do better than him. He's great. You know what I mean? So it was like the way he said it. Right. But then I, when I really thought about it, I was like, it's true. Because you're like, okay, like, it's not settling because you think you can't do better. Sometimes you're like, well, this person is, that I do better. think this is the best the best I'm going to get. And I think that's okay. You know, like, and I, I, but I guess it depends on what we're, what we're looking for because so much of that, when we're talking about our interpersonal relationships, so much of our value is like tied up into that. And I, nor my husband, we don't see it like that. We're not, we're not like polyamorous or anything, but like, we're just kind of like, like we would say like, he'd be like, Oh, his, but he still has his best friend from childhood. You know what I mean? Like I am friends with people that I've known from high school for 30 years. Right. Like I have a whole full extra life that does not include my husband like at all. And so I think that that any like stuff that is happening for me now has been brought on by the pandemic because this is some unusual circumstances for an extreme extrovert like me to be trapped in this house for a year, which is my husband and my kid. And everybody knows Brenda don't come out. You ain't, you ain't seen me. <laughs> so I like, it's, it's, it's bad. So I think like, but I guess I was, I think I was settling. Now y'all gonna make me like, but like, I feel like I was maybe settling a little bit in my old, in my job, like, working as a librarian because I had people, I had a, a, a friend of ours, a mutual, I'm not going to say who it is, but say to me, like, you don't even need to be at this library. Like you could be doing so much more things. You're so talented. You're so this, you're so that you could be, you're more than just a librarian. And they kept saying that to me. And it really pissed me off because I loved being a librarian. Like I, I still like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like I still got my degree, but like, I loved it because now looking back, it was it was like the perfect job for me because of my neurodiversity. 
because a librarian, you have to know so many different things and you have to know where to find the information. You don't need to be an expert on that. And so like for somebody who gets stimulated and excited by new things, I'm getting a new thing every like 10 minutes because somebody's coming up to the desk to ask me a question and it just gives me like a, a boost. Right. And so like I was really good at the job. I really like being with people and it really bothered me that people felt like my job wasn't valuable when I was like, I was like, uh, like at my house, I'm married to a rocket scientist. Okay. And sorry, girl, we know, we know. Don't you worry. She's got to go to work. Mm. So, <laughs> That's my partner creeping behind no, me. I know, I know. But I was on mute. It's fine. <laughs> she, she was like, she looked like, she looked, she looked a little bit like my own partner. Cause she was like, Mm-hmm. Recording the podcast, are we? Thought it was gonna be over at eight. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> and they're like, "Wait a minute, are you also rolling a doobie?" What? No, that's just me. Yeah, kidding. We gotta take some breaks, you know, for the comedy section. I mean, this wouldn't be talk amongst friends without the comedy, right? <laughs> because when you with your friend and you hang it out, what is you it do that laugh. we do? It's true. We it's do true. what we gotta do to get through. And life. we it's do get off topic, right. but we don't care. Well, I think though that if you have ever settled, I'm trying to think of like, okay, so I'll say this. I settled. Nope. Can't say it. Sorry, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. I swear to God. But you know, you did say something though, Rebecca, that was really true. I think people's perception of settling influences what we feel about ourselves. Sure. You know, social media. That's why people, all sad people don't like being on social media. Because they feel like if they're depressed, they're like, oh, everyone's living this good life and their pictures and this and that. You know what I mean? And it's like, seriously, I know so many people like that. They don't even want to look at it because they're like, they feel like everybody's living like a better life or something. Yeah. But how much of that is a front? Exactly. All of it. But I'm also Let's like, hello. Be real. Let's look, be real. No, I can do it right here. Let me show you right now. Watch, watch. <laughs> yep. Yep. If you guys can see this, you would know. Absolutely, man. I know some people that are. I mean, let me just say some family members that are personally jacked the hell up, right? But on their, but on their freaking Facebooks, it's glamorous. It's glamour shots, glamour shots. No, what is and it? I'm your like, girl said in uh, the uh, original Queens of Comedy, what she said. I know some go, friends yeah. got some messed up names. You know, your name Alexis, you look like a Buick. You know, <laughs> your name. <baby. laughs> oh, Brutal. And, and not, not 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 just no not just no regular Buick, but one of them rusty ass rotted <laughs> out in the floorboards Buicks where you got to like put a lawnmower's worth of gas in it just mm. to get it to go down. That's the same. But the you know the challenge for me has always been the things that I wanted out of life were perceived as settling. I've never wanted to be a career person. That was not my goal in life. That was a mean. I just want to affirm you in that. that, mm, mm. Yeah. You know, people look at you like, oh, but you have so much potential and you went to school and you were so successful. And why in the world would you just want to be a wife and mother? Why in the world would you just want to stay Wait a minute, tell me why, because I want to know. Listen, I'm curious <laughs> because I have I have a friend the same thing, and I feel really bad because I like her a lot. I think she's, like, good people, and she is a neighbor, but, like, she, like, went to Harvard or one of those, like, Harvard or Yale, I can't remember, but, and, and she has this degree, and she's, like, a stay-at-home mom with, like, a bunch of kids, and I'm, like, if to me, it felt like 
I'll say it. It feels like a waste. I'm like, why would you waste that degree and then stay home with all them badass kids, right? And like, just no, no, I'm just kidding. Her children are lovely. Man, you know what? If I could stay home, shit, I would totally stay home. I'll tell you that right now. You know, you want people. I can't stand people. I am (laughs) 2020 did not really affect me like everybody else, dude. I'm like, fuck yeah, I love staying in. This is because you're an introvert. That's different. That's fine. I'm glad that you are. I never used to be an introvert. I never used to be an introvert. Until I started doing this damn job. Now I'm like, I hate people. I don't want to be around people. Fuck you. Fuck you. And fuck you. Have you thought about a different career? I'm about to work on you. I think... No, because I'm hiring. I don't have any money, but I'm hiring. I got well, internship. If you ain't got the money, I can't go there. Shit. I got internship. That's the reason why people really can't pay $15. See, I need new shades on my window here. You see that? There's a space. I need new shades. Yeah, I mean. (laughs) But seriously, though, I mean, that's another podcast. But isn't that really why people cannot afford to pay folks a livable wage? Everybody's all up in arms about the minimum wage requirement. Isn't that really the problem? Because you're going into business not really with the resources to Mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Miss Tamika, you brought up something that is very, very true. And I'm just going to call it out. How many folk do we know go into business on a wing and a prayer, no business plan, no money, can't even make payroll, and nine times out of ten, it's a restaurant, and nine times out of ten, unfortunately, it tends to be people of color. It's us. It's us. And the first thing we do, and then those... um, Less affluent majority members. Okay, good ribs. Good. But you're like, but when is it open? Like, when is it open? Sally, it it was open. It said it was open till five. (laughs) When's it open? (laughs) Okay. But that's what I'm saying. We go into bed, and then you know, not to leave our our brothers of a lighter hue out, they get on television. Well, we can't afford to pay that. Well, then why are you in business? Let's just be real. Maybe sometimes you need to stop settling for this image of yourself mm-hmm. and tell the truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a machinist and I have a machine shop and I have uh, 20 employees. And what am I supposed to do if I have to raise their minimum wage? They're going to lose benefits. They can't this. They can't that. Dude, you're settling for an image of yourself. You're settling for what you wanted to be as a little boy growing up or what your daddy was or what your family was. Everybody in my family's always been a business owner. Everybody in my family's always been an entrepreneur. How can I not own a business? Cause you can't afford one. Mm-hmm. You do not have a product that people can't live without. You do not have a business plan. You don't have a model, whatever the problem may be. Stop standing up there trying to pretend like It's our problem that you cannot afford to pay people a livable wage. You cannot afford to pay people a livable wage because you can't afford to be in business. I feel targeted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. I'm the the proprietor. I'm the sole proprietor of Tan Tigers Productions, LLC. We got no employees. We got no money. We're not a nonprofit, but we don't make a profit. 
So we might as well be a nonprofit. <laughs> but speak it seriously, and let me ask a question. In the in the other work that you do, how uh-huh. many people do you have walk up in your shop, time out? Well, what I really want to do is I want to be a business owner. How is your credit? Yeah, let's start with the basics. I literally start with the basics. How much money do you have in the bank? Do you have a check-in in the savings? Do you know what the difference is between credit and debt? Like I start with the basics. If you were were to ask me that right now, I would say all my accounts is overdrafted. My phone rings like (laughs) a hundred times a day. And I'm always like, oh, God, it's that old bad boyfriend, JP, (laughs) Chase Morgan. (laughs) And then I'm like, oh, no. Is she calling again? Wells? You get a call from Wells? Wells Fargo? Yeah. <laughs> Not a thing. You mean the one with the horse carriage? What? Mm. <laughs> Where's that carriage at? Blowing up my phone. <laughs> like I'm gonna answer it. Then sometimes they put like a fake name on it. Like I'm not gonna know. <laughs> I never answer the phone. Anyway, so like I'm just hypothetically speaking, if someone was, was living that kind of life, what could a person do like right now? <laughs> Okay, girl, that's a different show. <laughs> I want her to settle my debts. So, like, what I'm saying is... Oh, yes, it's still settling. Good point. Because what I like to say when people say... Like, if I... Listen, I'm I trying to borrow that money. We're not going to debtor's prison. Him, I, just okay. need, I, I just need... Listen, I just need $24, but for 24,000... 20, 240,000 people. And so... How, oh. But what I'm saying is... What I'm saying is is that once I once I get that, I'll be good. I'll I'm ready. No, I know people don't have financial literacy. It's a real problem, and I totally get it. And I feel like one thing that I've noticed, especially now being like neurodiverse and stuff, so many of the financial mistakes I made actually, I believe, were related to my to my mental health. Um, and and some of that is like emotional spending. Some of that is just not being like I have no executive. Like I have no executive function. Like none. Didn't know that was a thing. Didn't know why I kept messing stuff up. But like, that's the reason. So like, I have to retrain and like learn that as a skill. But like, I don't, I don't have it naturally. Like things that you probably can do. I, I just, I just can't do it. It's weird. But how often have we settled for that in our lives and just said, that's just something we don't do well, but we can make up for it with our hustle. You know, the harder we hustle, we can overcome that because we ain't about to go get some professional help and a diagnosis so we can know what we're dealing with. Now, if we got a broken leg, we're going to run to the hospital to get that bad boy set. But if we have neurodiversity issues that can help us understand why it is we are always overdrawn, we ain't going to do that. We're not going to understand that. We're not going to figure out how to manage that. No, we ain't about to try and do that because, you know, that means you crazy. You just weak minded. You just don't, you ain't strong enough. That's just not mind over matter. And everybody knows people of color are all about mind over matter. Really? Is that why we still in the position that we in? actually that's not why. So those things are why we have those are that's part of the equation. That's what I like to say is like, but it's not the whole it's not the whole thing, because when you are living in like a system. That the reason the real reason I'm overdrawn, I mean, besides being crazy and stuff, is also 
because my my father is two generations away from slavery not even you know what i mean like like the amount absolutely you know know what i'm saying like like if i would have had two parents that had the same economic background Mm -hmm. and experience i i would be i wouldn't have all these debts and shit you know what i'm saying like i you know where my debt is from college um well and you have some wealth to begin with i'm not saying that absolutely we all know classic Donald Trump syndrome. You know, you have daddy's money to spend, to fuck up, to figure out how to make money. Totally understand that. But like we were talking about earlier, you also have to step into that with some accountability and some responsibility and say, okay, I didn't know how to do it. I'm not going to pass that lack of knowledge down to the next generation. I got to do something different here. Mm-hmm. I got to be Because you're not settling. There because you go. No, dude, seriously, no, that makes sense. What you just said. So so if you look at, let's say, the Granado family. <laughs> I am the first one to basically graduate high school, go to college, and get a degree. So I have... 32 nieces and nephews plus. Oh, I'm sorry. None of you guys went to college because you didn't look at Auntie Kay and say, oh, maybe we should break that cycle. No, you fucking settled for, let me just shoot this person in the leg. Um, <laughs> let me just work at Walmart. Let me just, I don't know. Let me just. I know, but do you think that Walmart. every, let me just, do you really think, Kayleen, that every person in your family that fucked up and didn't, that, that 32 of them, that that's a coincidence? Well, well. I tell you what I do think it has to do with that's, that we don't want to admit. We're not about to deal with the generational trauma of having lived the lives that we lived. Part. And we are not about to go seek out psychiatry. We are not about to go seek out therapy. We are not about to go get on medications, including alternative medications, Sister Rebecca, because I love you for your diversity of medication. (laughs) But we ain't about to go do that. You know why? Because that's taboo. That's crazy. You don't go see a shape unless you're crazy. But I did. Maybe if you did and you got yourself balanced Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you found some tools, Mm -hmm. then maybe you could say, okay, now. I can deal with why I'm always angry. I realize I have a right to be angry, but I also realize that if I don't channel that anger and channel that injury, I'm never going to overcome. That's just like people who sit up all the time and tell me, and I love my brothers and sisters. God knows I do. I understand you. I feel you. But you're settling for living in the muck and the mire of life because you. You refuse to do anything different. You won't even get up and go vote. You, something simple. Ah, ah, and, ah, ah. So here's the thing. I, I look, I'm like, listen, remember I was muted for a minute there? Okay, no, because I think that I want more empathy for people who, like, things that are easy for some people are not easy for other people to do. And, like, no, they're not. And so by making like those choices, like, for example, like real, real talk. Okay. To my father, 
I am like a lazy person that was spo- he spoiled me. He feels like he should have beaten us like way more. They shouldn't have like ever given us any money. He feels like it's his fault that I'm like this this like waste of a person or whatever, right? Because I'm not a doctor or lawyer. Um, but like, I don't even know what I was talking about to tell you the truth, and I didn't even smoke it. But <laughs> I, <laughs> it was something. Could you were talking about? Oh, oh, I was gonna say there are some people in our society that cannot make it they simply cannot we all got that cousin we all have that friend like i'm high functioning for like you know what i mean like i'm i'm fine but like we know there are people they just can't they cannot keep it together and typically black and brown kids for the reasons that you a hundred percent said, Kim, people are not getting the mental health that they need. Parents are not recognizing it in their children or like the reason that I got diagnosed really was because I was watching my son and I was like, oh shit, because he acts like me. That was not the plan, by the way. He was supposed to look just like me because I am gorgeous and he was supposed to be smart like my husband. Hello? He didn't, he, he didn't comply. Anyway, Come on now. I thought you had a better calculated than that, sis. I did too. I mean, I think we were supposed to have another one. I think the second one would have been little Rebecca. Say la vie. That ship has sailed. Um, But anyway, I think that, I think that that's, but I do think that like we, we, when we're decolonizing our own minds, I also want us to think about that when we're thinking like, you could have worked as hard as me. You could have done those things. You could have done that too. But like everybody is operating from their own place. And like it it's very frustrating, I think, to observe your own people like fucking up when you're like, man, if you only could have X, Y, Z, then you would be able to have success or you'd be able to be successful. But then when we're tracing, like when we look like what makes it one, what made Kim turn out like Kim? We don't really know. That's like, girl, that's science. No one knows what makes people more resilient. Nobody knows. We, but but see, no, I, don't think we are resilient. I don't think we, I don't okay. think we give ourselves the freedom to be honest about need. Mm. We do not tell the truth about need. I'm strong. I'm good. I'm got this. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, you know, um, Hey, I, you know, even Kim, are you not okay? Do you need us to take care of you right now? Are you not okay? (laughs) I I need some help, y'all. I need y'all come get me, come get a sister, take care. No, because I, because I I do feel like people won't say it, and you're right. And I do. I I am a person like that, especially us. Especially us, because I mean, I I participate with this other group called, you know, it's the Black Health Initiative, and one of the things that I absolutely did not know is the number of women of color who die in childbirth and have infants who die, who are born prematurely, who die, who, I mean, it is a sickening number. Uh And it, a lot of it has to do with the perception that we allow to exist that, oh, we strong, we good. We, 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 you know, we can work 400 jobs, spit out a baby and then get right back up the next day See what I'm saying? And be good. Or we don't have postpartum depression. Oh, no, girl, if you got that, something's wrong with you. You just need to get a grip because your natural maternal instinct will overcome that. Mm 
It's not and true. And we settle for these perceptions. It's not true. See, well, I told you I don't settle. I was like, no. I went totally nuts after I had my kid. And I was uh, surprised by the postpartum depression. I'm sorry. I had to mention that just because in case someone is listening and, and is thinking about it, it's like, postpartum depression is like the thing no one ever talks about and they also don't describe it right because they make it seem like you're going to be like trying to murder your baby or something like it's like a psychosis it's not you just like real depressed and you're like oh i made a mistake i shouldn't have had a baby and like that's not normal and it is a little normal because guess what we live in a messed up world where i'm supposed to be taking care of a child for 24 hours a day after i had all my internal organs taken out and put on a table and then my husband goes back to work and i'm in i have to just I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even lose anything. Well, and, and so we have like, the perception ugh. that it should be us yeah. as, I mean, even in same-sex relationships, mm-hmm. those who are perceived as, and you mentioned this before, Kay, people always want to know, well, who's the woman in the relationship? Who's the man in the relationship? Man, kill me with that. But we're going to talk about that later. Primary caregiver is always, always one who identifies as female. And look at how many people just in the pandemic, how many women have been lost from the workforce because we could not take care of the children and work. We didn't have jobs where we could be at home. Well, now, wait a minute. Why is that our responsibility? Why is that our duty? Why are we settling for the mantle of responsibility for everything that has to do with the house and children without negotiating or having a conversation about that? Well, it's true. well my I mean, therapist asked me numbers. the same question. I'm not even going to lie. My therapist asked me the same question because, and I feel like the practicality of it is this. We can't live in this house if my husband doesn't work. But you're making a financial decision, Rebecca. Right. That's like true. I said, in most of the relationships that I've been in, I've been the primary breadwinner. So why in the world am I the one out of work? Let's think about this logically. And if there are other situations like that, I wonder how many of those one million women who have left the workforce were either the primary breadwinner in their household or the sole breadwinner in their household. So are you really making a financial decision in that instance? No, you're not. You're not being logical. But we accept this image that is you had them, you wanted them. Nobody else was part of that decision, of course. You had them, you wanted them. So you stay at home and take care of them. When That's what I tell my husband every day. Like, <laughs> I'm like, it's your kid. Like, <laughs> so, so I don't know. I mean, he's he's still mad about the dog though, because I did make us get that dog. That was a um, that 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 was an unfair request. Basically, I was like, if you don't give me a puppy right now, I'm gonna kill myself, and I'm not kidding. And then. <laughs> Okay. Oh, and then we, and then I'm here. Oh, I did settle. We settled for this. This we're quite confident is a puppy mill dog that was from Juarez or something. And we we bought that dog and I and paid cash and just walked away with it. And we were like row row. But I'm telling you, it was because I I needed any. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's bad, you guys. Oh God. 
Um, now anyway. hurt her feelings. She's upset. See, see how you are. <laughs> She's a Scotty, so she knows she she is really smart. She's so cute. Anyway, that's not what I meant. Uh, I forgot what I was talking about that. But everyone, all I'm saying is, Kim, I am sorry that you have had to bear the brunt of capitalism in that in that way of having to of having to be the breadwinner and having that pressure because I do think there is pressure on it also and in some ways I feel bad for my husband because that is so much pressure for him he's responsible for me and I'm nuts obviously now could you imagine being married to me I'm just like I'm over here look I you know like and then i'm like oh no go away like and it's just what i'm saying is that he has all that pressure to take care of us he's got a loose cannon he has all that and then at the same time i still see that as a failing of our um of our of ours it's a failure because there's no reason that our health insurance and our should be tied to our work and so like my if we if my husband didn't want to work at his job or something like we have to think of the reality of not having any health insurance and we have a child and like that is is a is a failing of our our of our government is what I, is how i feel and a failing of also to your point from earlier kim about people not voting it's a failing but see why don't those people vote why don't they think their vote matters why don't they pay attention to the local elections why are they not doing that because they're not being educated appropriately in their schools. And so well, because they've given up, they've right. settled. They've settled for the idea that we mm-hmm. cannot make a difference. What mm-hmm. is the right? Point? But I feel like you're putting Why? so much yeah. onus on the individual. And that feels like that feels to me. So we were like, conditioned to settle. So I get what you're saying. No, we, I mean, our society, though, is conditioned, conditioned though, to, to settle. settle. Well, and I think particularly as people of color, we're conditioned to settle. I'm yes. sorry, I'm just putting on out there. We are taught. Yes, we can. To we're allowed to have our less thing. Yes, yes. yes. And, and I would say, you know, it was like Tamika's point earlier about staying in a particular job because you know you have financial obligations. Hmm. We, I cannot tell you how many times I was headed out the door to a protest and had my mother say to me, but you have children, but you have responsibility. You have people you have to think about. Girl, you could get hurt. And yet I look at her life and the time period that she came from and the things that she was exposed to. And I say to myself, well, but you fought the same battles, which is a whole nother Oprah. You fought the same battles, you took the same risks, but you always are more leery for your children and for the next generation. You so why settle? You have to know why that is though. Oh, yeah. Because look at it. In our lifetime, Kim, we're we're almost the same age. So you you could you gotta think about this shit. When we were kids, we could walk down the street in alleyways at night, at least I could, in where we're at and I never had any issues. I never, but I never feared. I never feared. Oh my God, I'm, I'm going to get taken out in this alley. You know what I mean? Nowadays you can't even honk at somebody without them lighting your damn car up with bullets. That's fact. But a lot of that too. So it's kind of different times. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're a lot on edge because the reality of the situation is people are so, like we said before, you've got a million things operating in your head. I, I literally, I had a cop 
pull me over. Traffic stop because I got a lead foot, y'all. I'm just be honest about that. And I had 50 million things that went through my head in one instance. Oh, my God, where's my phone? Did I turn it on? If I reach for it, is it going to be perceived as a motion? I have a carry license. I have a concealed carry license. Is the perception going to be that you were hiding the weapon, that you were attempting right. to accost me? I have my kids in the background. My kids are adopted. Are social services going to come take my kids if I'm pulled over for a traffic stop? If I get arrested and I'm taken to jail, where are my kids going to go? You know, those are the things that went through my head over having run a stop sign. And we're going to have that discussion because that's a whole nother show there because the way that people of color think, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you not everybody thinks the same way, Kim. Not everybody is like being stopped going, oh my God, I'm fearing for their life. And that is a legitimate fear. But we, okay, we will So my husband... That. My husband, I know you're going to talk more about it on your next thing, but I know my husband is white presenting. He knows what he looks like, right? However, and he says that, like, if he he is not afraid that he'll get shot by the police or anything like that, he doesn't have that that feeling, that mentality of it because he knows how he's perceived. He believes it. He stands up for what's right. He knows it's true because also he's married to me, and even though I'm who I am, I witness it firsthand with my father and my brother my whole life. So like I already know like when I like when I see the I feel af- I'm afraid of the police like I'm a af- I have like a yes. reaction to them okay Whereas that is most children that grow is up, purely that's who you based call if you on help. black yep. it's purely that based is on not that who we call so that is I not who we call. that's not true can't talk about okay, that okay. right okay. now I know I know I know different show different show different show, different show. I have to shut oh. that down Kim. But what I was going to say is you were saying before, Tamika, too, and I think that it is also true, that you become so conditioned to having to deal with the perceptions of you until a lot of times you just stop. You just stop being you. You you don't engage in conversation. You don't engage and participate And then not only are you perceived as being unapproachable or, you know, not participating, but then your capability starts to be questioned because it's like, well, you never speak up in meetings. Mm -hmm. You never participate. Mm -hmm. You you never offer any suggestions. So do you Mm -hmm. really know? Mm -hmm. And that can happen to you long enough that you actually start to question yourself. (laughs) <laughs> because then you start to wonder, well, hell, am I, have I lost it? Have I really reached that point where I can't, I'm not on top of my game the way I was? And that goes back to what you were saying, Kay, when people say to you, oh, you're willing to start over at this point? Oh, you're willing to take that risk at this point? Well, sometimes you are and sometimes you aren't because sometimes you've given in to, you have settled for this perception of you and you start to doubt yourself. You really do start to question your own skills and capabilities. And that's what can happen over time. And we allow that to happen to us and we settle for that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for talking. 
uh, Rebecca, nice to meet you. Tamika, nice to meet you. Thank you guys for bringing all you did to the table and sharing with us today. Thank you Thanks, so Mike. much for having us. I love it so much. Now, listen, only thing I'm going to say is if you lend me my $24, you can't <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Now I'm going to tell you. This girl ain't leaving this show without $24. Yeah, yeah. Somebody get a job $24. So just wait. Oh, but, but, okay. So when you just lend it to me, okay? Just lend it to me. And when it, and when it rains, when it rains, the debt will be settled. <laughs> oh, no. I said it wrong. I said it wrong. I was supposed to say Charge it to the ground, and when it rains, the debt will be settled. Did it rain yesterday? Yeah. I mean, yep. you didn't get it, it yesterday. It did. It can't watch <laughs> But thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys very much for sharing with us and sharing with our audience. The very Follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, See, and, and, and Rebecca, does, Rebecca does have her own show. You know, uh, we're, out of, we're on hiatus until I stop being crazy. Um... <laughs> But so, now, real, real quick though, I want it's to called off color. It's called it's, it's off podcast called off color. It's like a cross. It's a cross between like dear white people meets drunk history, and so we we just sort of kind of go through it. Um, and we have a few seasons. There's some weird stuff on there from when I my producer left and all kinds of things happened. And then I think though we had to take a break. Um, but I do think there are many episodes that I think are worth listening to, especially if you are a white person and you think you know something. Um, I recommend giving it a listen because I get like, I want, if you want to find out if you have any black friends, you should listen to my podcast. I bet, you <laughs> yeah. I bet you got, I bet you got acquaintances. I bet you got. I recommend that thing. But I don't think you have I, I'm going to Rebecca mend it, but my name is Kayleen, <laughs> but I'm going to Rebecca mend it. So I'm going to check it out too. But thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much for sharing. Once again, Kim, thank you. Everybody have a good day, night, whatever you call it. Have this has one. been Talk Amongst Friends. And that concludes this episode of Talk Amongst Friends. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.